This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and apologies for those of you that were tuning in hoping to hear episode 135 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm Ben and this is my TED talk on uh, criminally underrated Welsh rock bands uh, of the early 2000s. Primarily uh, spawned from Gary's uh, spiky tweets this week. Um, no, it is the Stacey Rose podcast. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, I, a little bit, you know, I, I, I don't like feeder. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Okay. You know, to, to tweet a, a photo of the single and just say that's their greatest hits album. It is their greatest hits. It's not their greatest hits. It it's is their greatest hits. But Rogers. Th- the third most successful single. Another, what are their other two most successful singles? The, the, the other, like the, the highest charting single they had was uh, Tumble and Fall, which admittedly isn't what? a very good song. And the, the other successful single is Just Today. I think that's the very successful single. Not heard it's, it. Genuinely not heard it. You have not heard Just Today? No, it's probably like being on in the background in an elevator or something like that. Um, <sighs> supermarket music. But no. I well, apparently know. I'm brain dead. So uh, who says you're brain dead? You did. You're putting words in my mouth just no, because you, you were getting that... picked on by Gillingham fans, <laughs> and now you've got a complex. No, so, oh, you said that it was that. it was average rock for brain dead individuals. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I bet they're not my exact words. I bet if I go on Twitter now, they're not my exact words. And if so, I'm suing you for defamation of character. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, that's not what I said. <clears throat> I am on your Twitter feed now, and while I'm uh, going through to it, yeah, I'm fairly certain it absolutely was. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to have to do some editing here because it's it's just it's out of order. But anyway, um, yes, this is the Stacey West podcast. Um, <laughs> apart from you know the musical interlude, um, I still maintain that the Stone Roses are overrated. Um, I said empty-minded, not brain-dead. Empty-minded. Oh, it's the same thing, Gary. No, it's not the same thing, is it? It's not the same thing at all. Because brain-dead is a uh, medical condition that means that your life support machine would be turned off. Empty-minded is 90% of the population. There's a massive difference. Deary, deary me. Should we talk about some football? No, because also, whoever says the Stone Roses are shit is clueless. If you genuinely are coming at me from a position of trying to tell me that one of the most influential indie bands of all time are are worse than a generic Welsh rock band who basically churn out the same album all the time, just with slightly different lyrics and live off the back of what you're telling me are three hits, but which I'm pretty sure are one, then I would call you brain dead. I, I, I look. Anybody that makes a living from music is is you know they're obviously doing something very right. I appreciate that the roses are influential. I just don't like them. There we go. They don't like you either. In fact, Ian Brown certainly Actually, wouldn't like you. I, well, no, Ian Brown's a Ian Brown's a, a whole different kettle of fish. But um, no, you know I. Um, who else was in the roses? Was Manny in the roses? 
I'm not even getting into this. If you don't know, it's not worth having the conversation. No, genuinely, because um, if it was Manny who went into to Primal Scream, actually, Manny likes me. So up yours. How the hell do you know whether Manny likes you or not? Because I met him at a gig uh, when he was playing with Primal but, Scream. I was going to say, I bet it wasn't a feeder gig. No, it wasn't. Because there's no way that Manny would go to a feeder gig because he's not empty-minded. Well, shut your face. No, um, Manny did a gig at uh, Birmingham Academy, and I was on the bar at Birmingham Academy, and he came for a walk around beforehand uh, with the rest of Primal Screen. And, um, yeah, he he said that, uh, you know, the folks that work bars at gigs are salt of the earth, and we had a good old chat for about five or ten minutes. Lovely bloke. Genuinely lovely bloke. If he did a podcast with you for 135 episodes, he wouldn't share that opinion. You are a salty bastard this week. Anyway. <laughs> John Squire, by the way, was also in the Stone Roses. He later went on to be in the Seahorses. You know, the uh, Love is the Law. They had one hit as well, but that was a good one. That was episode 135 of the Stacey West podcast. <laughs> utter prick, utter prick. Anyway, um, right, let's talk about football. Cause, um, cause, From yeah. one utter prick to another. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, you know, the Imps kicked off the season on Saturday. It was beautiful to, to be able to uh, kind of have football back in our lives with fans in the stadium. Unfortunately, a lot of those fans uh, seemingly defend like indefensible shit at the minute. But um, yeah, uh, I thought, you know, the game as a whole uh, was a, a f- fair enough season opener i genuinely thought it was you know you you picked a draw beforehand with uh with Matty from jills and the blood um i don't think we we really could uh could pick anything else other than that on there uh, on the podcast last week and it came to pass didn't it yeah first prediction of the season bob on uh in terms even the scorer as well because i think i said an ex-lincoln player would score uh, so and, and Danny Lloyd apparently got it. In fact, him and Vidane Oliver, the only two ex-Lincoln players on the pitch from the start, uh, were fighting over it, which is just bloody typical. So, <laughs> yeah, look, I know we're going to come on to, to something else in a minute, and I I feel remiss. I feel it's remiss for us to talk about football before that, but probably will do. Um, actually. The fact it was Gillingham and and the ridiculous sideshow that comes with that every time with the, you know grossly oversized punch and judy act in the dugout and um, obviously the, the the awful incident on the in the early minutes you know it's just it overshadowed actually a, a half decent start i think for lincoln um we, we're not at full strength and if you had to pick a winner in that game over 90 minutes it would have been gillingham their xg was better ours was 1.44 theirs was over two so technically um they probably deserved to win the game and they hit the bar as well we are playing with or certainly started that game with half a squad you know there was no lewis Monsma, Adelakin and Bishop both kind of 50-50 and got some minutes with Maguire out and Lundaloo out, Joe Walsh out. So very, very much a makeshift Lincoln. Not something I'm entirely comfortable with for the first game of the season, but not something that I think is particularly Michael Appleton's fault either. Um, I think it's just one of those things. So actually, I think to go to Gillingham when you've got half half a squad uh, and get a result and be the better side in patches. We were certainly the better side, I think, in the first 30, 35 minutes. Probably should have scored twice. Um, yeah, I mean, we came out of the blocks, really. I think it was it was one of those games where like it, it kind of the immediate uh, the immediate threat was was from, you know, from Lincoln. Um, we just we genuinely looked like the better side for for a long period in that first half um obviously with the, the you know after the the delay which we'll come on to but like it was i i think we were potentially unlucky not to go in um with more goals um you know with with more goals to our name at half time i think there was probably a couple of decent chances um but yeah i, I yeah couldn't really complain about the final score in the end no, I'm not convinced that there was great chances for us after the goal. Uh, I don't think that we were, um, you know, we were that polished. I think there was some good performances. Mm. And I think that we should have gone 
been one nil up at the at the break because the goal was a goalkeeping error. Um, you know, he's, he spilled a relatively easy shot he should have held on to, and it's ended up in the back of the net. There's no doubt in that the player was offside. But you know, these are the things that are given or not given, and you can't you can't hang your hat on it saying well he was off side because there would be something else in the game that they could point to as well so you know the, the, the really promising signs I think from some players I mean Teo Eden had a great game almost given I think now and it's going to be really exciting to see him starting at the same pace as everybody else because last season he didn't and it took him three or four months before he established himself in the first team probably another month on top of that uh, if not two while he, while he settled himself down at left back so we got to see the best of Teo Eden last season I think after Christmas, uh, when we're seeing the best of him almost from the off to uh, this season, which is really good. Uh, I was really impressed on Saturday with Lass Sorensen as well. Uh, mm, and just yeah. as a disclaimer, I got some stick for not being at the game on uh, Saturday on social media, which all well and good. Um, but I do watch the whole game back on Y Scout when I've not been. So I, you know, I have seen the game just before anybody kind of draws any criticism. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I really like Sorensen. I think he's a player that's going to be really interesting for as he played um, in in midfield. Uh, he has played then at right back as well, obviously on Tuesday, which we'll come on to. So uh, he looks really composed, tidy player. Uh, and he was one that caught my eye other than, than Teo Eden uh, and somebody else who started the season incredibly well at the moment, which is Anthony Scully. I thought he looked... Um, he looked good in patches on Saturday as well. Mm. Well, I think the the thing with Scully was we said before, you know, we said before the game that uh, we hoped he'd get his chance. We hoped that he'd be able to to start and kind of make a go of it. And you know, thankfully he did. Um, I was I was really impressed with him. Um, you know, like you say in patches, he, he was he was going back to the, the Anthony Scully that I think we all uh, knew and loved from last season. So I was, uh, I, uh, I, I'm obviously going to disagree with you because it's what I do. Um, <laughs> I actually think the Anthony Scully that we know and love from last season is, uh, is, is a fallacy, is a phantom because he, he never defined himself. So there was an Anthony Scully in patches where you saw him and you thought, bloody hell, he's so good. But yeah, it was hard to see him having two games together where he, he had the same impact. And and we spoke on here several times that he was great when he came off the bench, but actually when he started, he didn't always manage to get himself into games. And look, we're going to come to Tuesday anyway, but in two matches this season, he's played kind of right wing and left wing. Uh, and I think he's been in the game from the start. I mean, we'll come to Tuesday. But he's, he was devastating on Tuesday for, for 50, 60 minutes. You know, he, he looked utterly sensational. So, again, I think there's a little bit of what I've just said about Teo Eden, that Teo kind of had that standing start last season and was playing catch up, whereas actually Anthony Scully was kind of started in the side. But, he, you know, he was often on the outside banging on the window to get in. And when you let him in, he was brilliant. But then when he started in the side, he, he sometimes struggled. So he's getting more towards the Anthony Scully that we wanted to see consistently last season. It's only two games, so I'm not going to get carried away. But Well, I mean, I, I've, I, I, you know, again, we'll come on to Tuesday, but I, I've yet to see anything other than the goals, uh, other than the highlights that have been put up on YouTube on Tuesday because uh, I've been away. So, um, but look, we, we've sort of danced around it. We've spoken... Well, before we dance around it, can I also pay tribute to another player? Go on. Um, because I don't, again, Max Melbourne, mm, I think yeah, is, we've absolutely. got to mention, uh, because he is a fullback playing centre-back against the most physical attacking uh, side in the in the league. And when I say physical, I, I don't mean, um, you know, big lads. I mean actual elbows, long balls coming in. I mm. thought he coped admirably, considering he was a League Two left-back last season out on loan. Um, so hats off to him. I, I think once we've delved into the transfer market, uh, I think Max will still have a place at this football club. Uh, and whilst we have massive concerns, I have huge concerns over Joe Walsh's fitness going forward. Um, you know, I genuinely think we would get more minutes out of uh, Mr. Glass from Unbreakable at the moment than we do <laughs> Joe Walsh. And you know, I hope I wish him a speedy recovery. But while we've got that question mark, um, Max uh, Max Melbourne's kind of rise to form is a really really good thing for this football club no absolutely i think he was uh you know i think he was uh something of a surprise entrant into the squad um if he'd have not really been following pre-season if you just looked at you know the new the headlines um kind of obviously being told you know you can find a new club if you want to but 
yeah, the, you know, the fact that Michael's come out and said, yeah, he's applied himself really well. He's done absolutely everything that I could have asked for him. Um, and he's he's forced his way into the starting 11. And I mean, you know, while some of that is through circumstance, as I say, with, with Joe Walsh, but he's he's going to potentially be a bit of a tough ask to, to keep him out of the squad, isn't he? So, um, but look, I mean, I'd say we've, We've spoken around it, but obviously the the big thing that happened on Saturday was um, was the incident after the goal um, with regard to Karen Brammel and uh, I think potentially Taylor Wedden as well. Um, now look, I I I took some absolute pelters over the weekend about it from a lot of Gillingham fans because you know they were essentially all being tools, but there needs to be a point at which you take off your club glasses and you say right well whatever's happened here whoever's responsible for it like it's very clearly beyond an issue of supporting a football club um the obviously after the goal the players ran over into the stand and yes i think that is the crux of the you know the morons that were defending it all their argument was well they shouldn't have been there i was like well no they shouldn't have been but they should have put a steward there. I think the problem is, is that you can easily say, oh, well, they shouldn't have been there, but there was no steward in the gap between the two stands. And from what I understand, that gap is, because it's quite close to the pitch, it's usually used for players to take a bit of an extended run up at corners and things like that. So I just, you know, yeah, the players shouldn't have run in there and I'm sure there will be conversations in, in and amongst the squad since then. But what followed was just, I mean, ugly doesn't really do it justice, does it? It was just, it was horrendous. Like, you know, fans start coming over and pushing and shoving our players. And um, it looks like I think Max Melbourne may have gotten involved as well and pushed one of them back. But um, then something is very clearly said to uh, to Cohen Bramall. Um, and I don't care what anybody says. Dropping a C-bomb on somebody does not cause them to react like that. Um, so, you know, Michael confirmed after the game that it was, you know, it was a racial incident and um, that's now been, well, sorry, yes, Michael said it was, a, you know, something racial has been said, and again, allegedly, but it's now been investigated by, uh, investigated by the police, but somebody doesn't react the way that Cohen Bramall did and the rest of the squad did when somebody just calls you, you know, it drops a C-bomb on you. Like, to my, to, to, you know, I saw it at the time and I just thought something there is, you know, it's very clearly been said that's that's above and beyond. Um, and if, you know, if it if the fan is found guilty of it, he should be banned from every every ground in the country. Um, and it's, it's sad that we're talking about it. You know, it's 2021. We are, we've just come off the back of the Euros where, three young players got horrendous abuse because of the colour of their skin and the fact they missed penalties. I just, what, what, what do you say? Like, where do you go from here? Don't know. Um, picking up on the actual incident itself, I, I've watched it back quite a few times now and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to even subscribe to the players shouldn't have been there because the fact is, They've run over to the corner flag to celebrate. Players have begun to kind of pile on, and it just looks to me like momentum has taken them in there. I don't think that Cohen Bramall or, or and Taylor Eden have deliberately run into the stands to celebrate in front no. of the Gillingham fans. And anybody that says you shouldn't celebrate in front of away fans is, has got a very short memory because we used to love it when Matt Reid did it. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. okay, we've had shit houses like Kevin Van Veen and Jody Jones do it to us. Yep. fair play to them do you know what i mean if if i was playing away at gillingham and i scored and it was at the gillingham end i'm not going to run uh 100 odd yards down the pitch to celebrate with my own fans not going to happen i'm going to do it there and then i'm going to take the pelters so i think it's really poor from gillingham not to have a steward there there were no fans sat in that particular area by the way so yeah. it's not like they've even run into an area where there are Gillingham fans the Gillingham fans involved have come down to them and um, I'm not going to pass comment on 
what was said because I don't know. But I do think that it was a good opportunity for people to come out and say if something has been said. And you won't hear these words come out of my mouth very often, but respect to Steve Evans, because after the game, mm-hmm. he said if he is found guilty, he should be banned for life. And it's not that hard to say. It yeah. really isn't. And there were an awful lot of Gillingham fans. Some of them were the typical kind of social media morons. And I, I you know, I get that. We've got them at Lincoln. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. let's not pretend that this is a Gillingham problem. This is a football problem. And and, and the people that were defending the, the Gillingham guy for whatever he said or defending the kind of the pushing and shoving are the same people. You know, we would have them at Lincoln. If it happened at Lincoln, they would be the same people, the ones that would criticise Kevin Van Veen for his celebration or Jody Jones for his celebration when something kicks off. It's, you know, victim blaming almost uh, mm-hmm. to a degree as well. So, yeah, it, look, it's a, it, it's a shame. Here's, here's probably what's going to happen. Nothing. Uh, because it's it's impossible to prove. You've got one word against another. It's not like it's written down on the internet, and and there isn't any real desire um, to to kind of change it when it's when it is written down on the internet. Do you know what I mean? There's no desire to change there. So why would there be a desire to do something with this? So just a really disappointing thing all round. The thing is, like we saw the Gilling game on Tuesday night, and somebody actually tagged me in something on Twitter um, and said, "Look, well, it's interesting when the shoes on the other foot because." I think there was something there in terms of um, I'm not too sure on on exactly what happened, but basically some I, I think it was some of the opposition players went and celebrated in front of the uh, some or some Gillingham players went and celebrated, and then basically you know a load of Gillingham fans said, oh yeah, it's great when we celebrate in front of their fans, and it's like right, well you know you're kind of missing you're kind of missing the point but you know again help that's you out there with what actually happened because you, you kind of you, you picked up on it and it was they were playing crawley in the cup um yeah that's and right their fans have they've celebrated in front of the crawley fans i think at the end of the penalty shootout that they've won 10-9 Yes, uh, and I the, think that's right. the Crawley fans of is right, and the Crawley fans have thrown bottles and and spat at the player uh, yeah. celebrating in front of them, which is equally as out of order. But you can't yes. condemn one without the other. No, absolutely. Like I think that's the thing is that you can't you can't kind of claim the moral high ground and say, oh, well, they came over to us, and then when something else happens, like the following day, you then criticise, you know, the other side of it. It's just. I mean, like you say, it's a football problem, it's a societal problem, and I just, it just, it put a real black mark on the day of, you know, being, the day that we can all celebrate being back in stadiums properly and watching football and everything else. And the first thing that happens, you know, within four minutes of the game is an alleged racial incident, and let's be honest, actual physical assault as well. Like, there were they they ran over to our our players and started pushing them about. So, I, I, I find that hard. I, I find that hard. I think it was six of one and half half a dozen of the other. I, I, I don't subscribe to a push being physical assault. That's twenty twenty one. It is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but it's like that guy that got done for the the, the assault on Professor Chris Whitty in the park. It's like, do you know what I had that. 10 times worse than that done to me when I was poacher every single week. So I, yeah, for me, it's not assault. And yeah, for me, what happened, yeah, their, their fans shouldn't have come down and shouldn't put a hand on our players. At the same time, our players did push back. So technically it's assault both ways, but yeah, good God, if that's assault these days. Mark, <laughs> no, I but you, I know what you mean, but like, yeah, the, the thing is ultimately they put a steward in that little gap. This whole thing doesn't happen. Like it was, it was a, a crap situation all round. And hopefully, it's resolved with banning orders and, and whatever else is required. But as you said, I don't think anything's going to happen with it. And you know, things will continue to happen throughout the season because we seemingly, we're seemingly in an era where it's just on the rise all the time for, for whatever reason. But you know, we've had it as well. Let's not. Let's not oh, no, pretend not. that we don't. And I know is... you're. I know. I know you're not pretending we don't. But some people on social media were blinkered. I've been at games where I've heard Lincoln fans racially abuse uh, opposition players, and yeah. you know, I've spoke Same. up about it afterwards. So. Same. Yeah, and this is this happens. is what this is, it goes back to what I said at the start is you know you have to be able to take the, the blinkers off 
you know you have to be able to to recognize when something has happened that is related to your club in a negative light and you have to be able to take a step back and say right that's out of order like i've been you know well me and you both we've we've called stuff out before that's happened whether it's been from fans of our you know fans of our club or if things have happened you know with the club and i know it's it's on a different you know different plane but when the club dropped the ball we've said before we'll be there to call it out because that's kind of what we're what we're doing that's that's what we're doing with the podcast and what you do with the site like if somebody fucks up they need to know about it and ultimately putting everything behind this veneer of like well i support this club so they can do no wrong isn't going to help anybody and you know that's probably where i'm going to leave that that conversation um so what happened on tuesday night guys because i didn't see it yeah um i mean i'd have watched it back um and you know for 70 minutes we looked really good and and, and actually for 20 minutes after half time we looked better than good um i thought for 20 minutes after half time we looked utterly sensational and we were creating chances um some some players really stepped up i mean i'll come to ted bishop in a minute um and then it all kind of swung on uh, literally with with kind of 20 minutes to go everything changed um mainly i think because there was an injury to lewis monsmer and that meant he went off regan paul went into center back alongside max melbourne last Sorensen came on and went at right back and with bramall at left back you've actually got completely different back four to Saturday, mm. apart from Max Melbourne, who is the one player who really on Saturday was playing out of position. So, um, and you know, in those last twenty minutes, it, it it all went all went quite quite badly wrong. Uh, and you know, to demonstrate that, you can I can break the stats down for you. So in the in the first hour of the game, um, we had seven shots, three on target. Uh, we actually our, our goals I think came potentially just after that but um, we were you know, we looked really good 63% possession I know it doesn't win you games but for me we were almost creating chances at will you know there was a follower a Shrewsbury Town um, podcaster who said you know there's the difference more or less you know that's that there's the difference that's that's where it is Lincoln are a, a much better side kind of from the hour mark onwards from the substitutions and the injury onwards which were a little bit after we had three shots non on target Shrewsbury eight three on target and what happened they got themselves back into the game you've watched the goal back as you know for me it, it actually starts with them running at Sorensen and Sorensen and Paul getting in, not in a mess. There was no mistake there, but just the shape wasn't there. Uh, and then the ball wasn't cleared and Udo won't have an easier goal uh, to, to, to score. And, and that's then, that's put their back up. You know, then they've got their home fans for the first time cheering. I mean, Shrewsbury have had a horrific time uh, with yeah. COVID. Their manager was hospitalised. I think he did an interview where he said he, he was going to bed one night to sleep, not knowing whether he'd wake up in the morning. It's horrendous. Uh, and, you know, I think there was a degree of that kind of that pouring out. If I'm honest, I think I think it, it all kind of came out for them. They really got the wind up in you know, in their last in the last um, 30 minutes. Their XG was one point three seven and ours was 0.16 whereas through the entire game um although they did they they nudged it i think um you know we just looked in complete control um i think there's been 0.6 through the entire game so yeah a little bit disappointing but um it is what it is i think the players that we brought off and brought on it was more about protect protection um adlacken got 60 70 minutes and then he came off i thought he was all right you could see glimpses of, of what he could do but the big standout performance uh, apart from anthony scully who, who was excellent was was um, was ted bishop mm. and you know I've, i listened to some of the commentary as well and, you know mark hone it was kind of said this guy can be better than george grant and we keep hearing that you know, I keep hearing consistently and it's not a bad way to go about it because, you know, George Grant scored an absolute screamer from range against Forest Green last season in the FA Cup. It, Ted Bishop's done exactly the same on his first um, first start for the club. So really, really promising signs. I, I, I'm not going to get too bent up about what happened after 90 minutes in terms of the penalties. Penalty shootout is what it is. You may as well sit down and roll the dice. Um, be nice. You know, Tom, 
be nice if Tom could have hit the target. He put it well over the bar. He's gone for power. If he'd placed it and the keeper had saved it, we'd be moaning about that as well. So, you know, it, it's a lottery after penalties. Best of luck to Shrewsbury, I say. You, you could see what it meant to them at the end of the game because their fans invaded the pitch. And yeah. you don't invade the pitch after a first round League Cup win. Nobody does because it's ridiculous because you are going to get knocked out of the League Cup in either the second or the third round. It's virtually inevitable. Uh, the League Cup is the same every year. Um, everybody gets knocked out except Manchester City who win it with their reserve team. There's no prize money at all. There's no prestige whatsoever in it. And only a handful of teams will get a decent draw as we did against Liverpool last year. So I'm not belittling the fact um, that, that they they celebrated. I'm belittling the fact they did it in the, the Carabao Cup. But after being away from the ground, I'm, I'm you know, it, if their reaction, if a Shrewsbury fan reaction after drawing 2-2 and then winning on penalties is to invade the pitch, that's a, that's a positive reaction to a result uh, yeah. when you go back in the stand rather than, than you know, allegedly racially assaulting a player. So I, I'm, you know, not going to get bent up by any of that at all. It's uh, it's a game that we now do not have to play on a Tuesday night next, mm-hmm. next week or the week after or whenever it is. So uh, promising signs. Like I said, my only worry is if you actually, and I talk about XG, everybody hates it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but if you look at the XG, actually, we lost XG in both of our games, but we've had two away games that are not easy on paper um they're two away games that we actually won last season okay but i know the shoes we won wasn't in the league one of the worries that i've had is about goal scoring well we've scored three goals uh so far which i, I think is, is is very good i'm happy with that uh, we just you know at the beginning of the season last week or the week before whenever it was we said the worry was going to be the defense that hasn't changed after 196 minutes of football i think it's been with injury time um yeah yeah I mean, no different position now. I think to to last week, the new the new signings have looked decent. They're settling in. We need the injured players back, so that's where I am. I think. With it. I don't know what you think about what you've said. I mean, yeah, from you know, I I um I, I think from Saturday at least, um, I think Sorensen looks like he's going to be a, a good signing for us. Um, he, he looked like he was starting to control the game in in places on. Uh, on on Saturday and by all accounts, you know, similar story with with uh, with Ted Bishop on Tuesday night. So I'm I'm excited for the rest of the season. I'm really really excited to get in um, back to Cincinnati on Saturday, which is probably what we're going to come on to next. But um, it, it yeah, it's promising. You know, we've got we've made a promising start to the season. Um, I think you know if you play in your you first game away from home um normally you kind of try and get a draw out of that anyway but then when you take into account everything with covid and everything you know the fact we've been out of stadiums for so long you're gonna go into a bit more of a uh, i don't want to say hostile hostile atmosphere given what's happened but you know what i mean um it's a different a different atmosphere um so yeah i i i'm still uh, i'm still fairly confident i'm hoping that you know Saturday can bring uh, Saturday can bring three points and have the atmosphere to go with it. Um, I know that there've been some grumblings about the number of uh, you know the number of defenders we've got in that can cover for you know people that are going to be injured. I don't think you can take into account injuries to to players that happen you know this early on in the season and obviously you, you say about you know, potential worries about joe walsh's fitness but i mean you've then got to look at the fact that we've got what jackson uh, is jackson injured at the minute uh, jackson missed the, co- the coca-cola cup jesus christ was it 96 <laughs> uh, uh, he missed a Carabao Cup game uh, and is was classed as a doubt. But by the time people listen to this, there will have been a press conference where he will probably be classed as playing. Um, and Montsma went off injured as well. So technically, all three of our centre-backs could be out of action this weekend, which would yeah. mean Max Melbourne and Regan Paul um, pairing at centre-back, I think. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, You can't take into account the fact that your, first, your three first-choice centre-backs are probably going to be out for the first couple of games of the season. Like you just, you don't write that into your plans. Do, and you, do you after a season where it, where it, it kind of, you know, there were hints weren't the last season. Joe Walsh mm. played 20 games. I mean, Mons maybe, had a maybe spell. you do with Walsh. Well, 
But then, what do you? But then there's you know it's a left-sided centre-back that you're missing. So if mm. you, if you take it into account with Walsh, the point is Michael has taken it into account. He's well aware of the fact that we're short, and and the balance here is either signing someone for the shit of it and making sure that you're covered, but getting a substandard player or waiting for TJ Oma. Yes, I think that's that was that was where I was going to come on to. It's the fact that you know people are saying, oh, we we could potentially have signed more centre-backs. It's like, well, you're not going to just sign a centre-back for the fact that it's a centre-back. You know, we, we are signing players that, well, Michael's always said it and Danny said it beforehand. You're not going to sign a player that doesn't improve your squad. So if you're just signing a centre-back for the fact that there's a centre-back that you can put in the squad to make up the numbers, it's not going to be, you know, that's not going to improve the squad. That's not going to be a player that is going to make a, you know, make a career at Lincoln City. So it improves the squad in the short term. Because any any fit centre back improves the squad if you don't have a fit centre back. The point is you might even sign someone that improves the squad a little bit, but Michael's looking to get as much as he possibly can out of his money. Our budget is better than it was last year. But comparatively oh, yeah, about that. comparatively, our budget is still fifteenth in the table or, or, or whatever it is, 14th in the table, because everybody else is spending. And it, it, this was said in a, in a conversation last night that Lincoln City at the moment are signing players for more money than we were signing last year. And the trick is for us to get better players than we had mm. last year. But the point is that the same level of player is costing more money. So actually, if you think about, let's say, um, Lass Sorensen, okay, was maybe a bad, bad thing, but Lass Sorensen would have cost X amount last year. And potentially would cost more than that this year. Charlie Wyke, for instance, was mm-hmm. on whatever he was on at Sunderland. He's now on more at Wigan. He hasn't got to be a better player. He isn't improved. He isn't a different player to what he was last season. And therein lies your problem because Michael is looking to make the most of his budget. So actually, he's got to do the same sort of job he did last year. He's got mm-hmm. to find the players where there's the value. And that's why we're waiting, I think, on certain positions. He's reacted quickly where he can see that there's quality and talent. Do you look at the likes of Lars Sorensen struggled to get games at MK Dons last season? Look at Teddy Bishop being injured for a while. Look at Hakeem Adelakan, you know, struggled in the championship and, and and didn't have a great loan spell at Rotherham. So he's kind of got to look for that value. And we're not talking about cast-offs here. We're talking about developing players. That's mm-hmm. the Lincoln City model. So the reason that we don't have a centre-back to pick up on your point, which is the one I'm sure you were trying to make, is that <laughs> we don't want to bring a player in who we cannot develop. Because, I mean, again, Sean Rowan will be coming to fitness fairly soon as well. And when everybody's fit, then there isn't space. Then your, your, your Max Melburns are probably left looking in. So it, yeah. it, it isn't easy. It, I, I just wonder if, you know, if we could have made a, 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 a not an emergency loan, but you, know, you can have more than five loans if we could have just picked somebody up on loan. So I, 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 yeah, I don't know if TJ Yom has come in or not. I, I as far as I'm aware, it, you know, it's been mooted and mentioned and fallen away and that sort of thing. Um, so, but again, it, you know, that's football, unfortunately, isn't it? You, you don't get to be a team like Lincoln City and make a playoff final um, on a on a budget that's outside the top ten without having some bumps in the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, but you know, we are going back into the bank on uh, on Saturday. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a loud one, isn't it? I I've not seen any figures so far, but I'm assuming we're basically on track for a home sellout. Uh, no, well we've opened the Stacey West, haven't we? So uh, Fleet would have, have sold I don't know like a hundred tickets or something like that. So uh, quite a lot of the Stacey West is now open up for home fans. Mm-hmm. So it isn't a home sellout at the moment. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you no room in an hour in whether go to the game, go. So, Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I would expect it to be 10,000 tomorrow, but I, I wonder if it may not be. Um, I think typically what was our average attendance, home attendance was somewhere between eight and eight, five, wasn't it? And then the away yeah. fans topped it up. So this would be one of our lowest um, attended fixtures of a normal season. So it's, it's a tough one. I, yeah, you're definitely going to have a full house on Tuesday night, but I'm, I'm not sure whether it will be a full house on Saturday or not. I think some people might have been put off by, um, by the 
impacted my people will be on holiday it's harder to to get to football as well so we'll see i, I would be disappointed if we're not high nine thousand. so very very much well no i wouldn't that's ridiculous i wouldn't be disappointed <laughs> at all i won't i won't care but it would be a shame if we weren't high nine thousand. yeah no i think um uh, do we know i was going to say do we know if uh, if Fleetwood are going to have the the new temporary stand but they won't do because that's in the home area isn't it it's basically yeah. in the uh in the salinity yeah, exactly. I, I, to be honest, it's not a stupid question because I had the same conversation with somebody the other week and then said, well, they'd have to share um, toilet facilities. Facilities, sort of yeah. Yeah, which I, I don't think will be the case. So no, it'll be interesting to see how that gets used. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let, let's let's actually move on to the game because I know we, uh, we both had Fleetwood um, looking at the drop in our predictions, didn't we? So... How do you see it going on Saturday? It's it's not going to be an easy game, is it? Because as we all know, there are no easy games in League One. But um, uh, yeah, do we think uh, do we think we'll be coming away happy on Saturday? Well, I think if we don't, there's you can start maybe not panicking, but you know, even with seventy five percent of the squad, I look at Fleetwood squad, I see quality in places. Jordan Rossiter in the midfield is a very good midfielder. He was very poor on Saturday as they uh, they went down 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. Look at their forward line. Um, Callum Morton is their starting number nine. I, I, not being rude, he's not a League One starting number nine. Um, they play a 3-4-3, so he's, you know, he's playing as a kind of a centre forward. Um, not always with his back to goal, but they, you know, he's certainly... Uh, certainly will be looking to run on to quite a lot I think this weekend I looked at the players around him I saw Morris I thought oh Josh Morris he's quality and then I dug a bit deeper he's actually left them um, it's not, not Josh <laughs> Morris at all um, so it's it's a sh- Shade and Morris I think who's come through their academy they've, they've got Gerard Garner on the other wing who's kind of been in and out I just I, they look like a team as I said in the in the um, pre, uh, pre-season review that they're in regression. I stand by that. Danny Andrews, not bad. Uh, he plays on the, the left side of their three-man defence, or he did against Portsmouth. But look, against Portsmouth, uh, they lost 1-0 at home, their opening game. They lost 2-1 at Stoke in midweek in the Cup, which actually isn't a bad result. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I don't know. They actually had more shots um, on goal than Portsmouth and they had more possession and they were better past succession uh, They so they, they didn't give a bad account of themselves on the opening game of the season this isn't a woeful team this isn't like a South End from a couple of years ago that are going to be the whipping boys they're not and, and Simon Grayson is whilst I don't think he's a manager who will get you promoted out of League One I think he's a manager who understands how to battle uh, and try and get to a, a mid-table position in mm. League One so you know, it's but it's a game you've got to win. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but it is. And we don't. I don't say that a lot. You know that. You know that there are. I respect opposition. Uh, like Bolton, for instance, on Tuesday night is going to be different. I know we'll, we'll not do two previews in one, but you know they've spent an awful lot of money. I think they've they've brought some good players in. They've got vocal support. That's different. But what you're looking at, I think Fleetwood is a team that are actually slowly morphing into their correct dare I say correct position I don't want to um, irritate anybody by saying that because you know you are where you are and Mm. you deserve to be where you deserve to be but four and a half thousand at home against Portsmouth league two fan base and fans don't win you points but it, it is and I think the way that their squad is looking that you know they're preparing for a battle against being a league two club so yeah, it's one one you've got to win. It's it, given that we've got kind of players out injured. It's actually a dream start if you approach it in the right way because it's yeah. a game that you could probably win at eighty percent if you're a, if you're a promotion challenging team. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like, is is that the is that the blessing in disguise? Um, sorry, my neighbour's just arrived home and he's blaring his music out of his van. Um, and he's not feeder. It's probably not feeder, no, because he's not got taste. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he, is is this the blessing in disguise that yes, we are potentially down a couple of players, but you know, we are looking at playing a team that, like you, like you say, with all due respect, we should potentially be beating. Um, so yeah, I I can 
I, I, I really hope this is a, a happy return to a full capacity stadium um, on Saturday. Um, and then obviously, think, like you say, Bolton on Tuesday. So it's going to be a, an interesting week. I think it's only a blessing in disguise afterwards. If you oh, win. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't win, you think, you know, we should have had our full team out. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And look, they came last season and they were a team that we felt we should have beaten last season and we drew 2-2. Seemed to think thanks to, or did we lose? Was that when Callum Morton, we lost, didn't we? 2-1, Callum Morton scored late on. Yeah. Um, so, and also the, uh, I've noticed Callum Camps didn't play for him at the weekend. I quite like him. So I don't know what the situation is there. Um, but anyway, it's, yeah, look, going back to the bank, He's brilliant. I mean, myself and uh, Imptoons Chris Ray have collaborated to create a commemorative postcard. Okay. Um, which you can find around the ground. Going to leave them just all, all around the ground, a thousand of them free to anybody that wants one. And it's Chris's excellent work, you know, with the cartoon he did when we first went into lockdown and I think he drew Michael with one of those old doctor's masks, with the on, masks with the yeah, yeah. and everything uh, and he's done another cartoon now with streamers and the red arrows flying over and welcome back so it's a reversible one and it, yeah, it, it's I want I hope it feels like a celebration and I, I can't see why it won't I mean it's going to be um, it's going to be emotional and as I said in my piece earlier in the week once it's out of the way actually not every game is going to feel like this because you'll go back on Tuesday and, and you'll be focused on the performance from Saturday and all that sort of stuff. And it'll begin to feel like second nature. So actually tomorrow, as you're hopefully listening to this on Friday, uh, is going to be a uh, a, a one-off. It's, yeah. it's an opportunity to almost relive your first game away. Uh, there'll be so many you know, happy faces, really looking forward to seeing some people. I'll catch up with you as well, I'm sure. Hey. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 sometimes on a, on a full 23-game league, home game league season, you know, I miss the fan zone out because we've been there on the Tuesday and I've got bits to do and all that sort of stuff. And we, everybody, I'm sure, who's listening. I was to just about to say, oh, you're in the posh seats. And then I realised that that's probably going to be quite likely for me this season for a few games. So Yeah, I wasn't in the posh seats. It's me, it was the media, and I, I don't go in the media because, well, we'll not go there. Um, but the club, uh, I'm welcome to go in there from the club. There's no issue with the club whatsoever, or Radio Lincolnshire, or the Lincolnite, or any visiting journalist at all. So, uh, but I, yeah, it, it's just going to be really good. I'm, and I'm just fascinated. Do you know what? For me, it's the people around me who I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be. That, I think they're, they're, they're the ones. Yeah, it's going to be like the guys that stand behind me that I don't, I, I know one of their names and like the guy that sits a few rows in front of me that I've known since I went to football with my dad and I still don't know his name. And, he, you know, I see, I've seen him manners. week in. It's, hey? just bad manners. it's just bad manners asking his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, you, when you get to a certain point, like you'll always say hello and you always have a chat with him. But it's like, it's, you know, I've, I've been coming to football for 15 plus years and seen you most weeks and I don't know how to ask you your name. It's like, that's the, that's the kind of thing, but you know, it's, it's those people like you, you see every so often um, at games, you see them at away games and, you know, sort of give them the little head nod and say hello, that sort of thing. It's just people that I haven't seen for 18 months and you don't realize it, but people that you have those fleeting interactions with it's like oh no this this is what makes my week this is what makes you know this is what makes it worth it coming to football because you you have that you just got that little football family and it's just really nice and i cannot wait to get back to it i mean you know we we were fortunate enough to be able to go to the uh, the sunderland game but ultimately like that wasn't a return to football that was the you know the one-off kind of look look at what you could potentially win sort of thing and getting back in tomorrow it's it's going to feel like winning the speedboat on bullseye hmm. yeah i'd never wait to win the speedboat on bullseye mainly because i was six uh when bullseye was. <laughs> um, where do you live like the most yeah. locked area in the country exactly but no it, it is it's going to be amazing um and like you say it's the i, I don't classify it's a football family um I, I, that sounds weird there's just so many people it's just it's something different i don't get on with all of my family whereas there's so many people that i just want to say hello to and 
it is what it is. And then Tuesday night will come and we will have got one point from six and it'll be, I wish I could watch it on, you know, I'd follow. Or there'll be somebody sat next to me, I'll get, I'll get back to the ground and I'll have somebody new sat next to me in my season ticket uh, and it'll be somebody that just grates on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say any names, but I could just imagine turning up, looking around and thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> Look, we all like Chris Keneally, but we know he can be like that sometimes. <laughs> all right, our kid. Fucking great in football, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! But uh, no, look, he it's going to be Andy Pearson, doesn't he? I, I, do you know what it is? And I, I, I just hope that Fucking all the hell, people that'd be around like Waldorf and Statler from the Muppets. Oh, I'm not going to call Andy Pearson a Muppet. <laughs> That's on you. That's not on me. That's on you. I hope he hunts you out and finds you and gives you a dressing down. Oh, Andy, nice this is okay. me talking directly to you. I, I say it in banter on uh, social media i don't hide behind a podcast to say it and as for chris Keneally, i think he used to do like didn't he used to do cage fighting or something when he was younger i hope they those two pull you from limb to limb <laughs> i would love, love me it too much they love me don't, too much. i don't think they will after this you've just called them muppets oh they know i mean it in jest no nah, now you're digging now you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole not at all not a good look backtracking <laughs> It's like me all of a sudden going, actually, do you know what? I'm going to surprise you now. I like feeder. <laughs> but you won't do that because you'll keep up the pretense for as long as you want to. Well, no, I do, I do genuinely only know Buck Rogers. Genuinely, I don't see anyone I know. What is it that they drink cider from in Devon as well? I've it's always missed lemon. that. Cider from a lemon? Yes. What? What? What's that? Well, apparently Grant did it once and he thought, oh, that's weird. Who's um, Grant? Grant is the lead singer from Fido. Oh, well, that's made me hate me even more. Why? I, I thought that they were talking about some sort of special Cornish mug or something, you know, like a, a local tankard or something like that. I didn't realise it was just cider from a lemon. Can't, yeah. Do you know how much cider you would get in a lemon? Yeah, not, not a lot. lot. So what? He's basically saying, I'm going to go to Devon and be a lightweight. Oh, that's, what a great, oh, dearie me. Uh, yeah, genuinely, I've, I'm disappointed now about that. The one feeder <sighs> song I like, it turns out it's moronic. I mean, it's also about a guy who's bought a brand new car that's yeah, got a CD that. player, 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 player. Yeah. Like the, no the ironic thing is, there, that's is that? that's one of like that's one of the few songs that I actually don't really like all that much, unless I've had a few. Because at that point, you can have a bit of a dance to it, but. Oh dear. But well, as they said it a bit of a dance at my party. Uh no, I don't think you put that song on there. I think you put another thing. It was it, 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 that was on at about half eight in the evening when everyone else was here. I was there at that point. You must have missed Book I did put Book Rogers on because if somebody says put some feeder on a playlist, it's the only one I know. So whatever other one was on, it was basically just that type feeder in and put whatever was second on Spotify. I take it we're not going to talk about Brandon Hanlon now because we? we've kind of gone off on the tangent already. I mean, you've you've started it. <laughs> you you brought up cider. You and started lemons. it. It wasn't me. It was you. You started it with cider and lemons, mate. But yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, but it's a ridiculous lyric. It is a ridiculous lyric, and they admit it's a ridiculous lyric. It's a ridiculous song. They didn't even want that song. They wrote it for another band. True story. But I've never heard a true story either. <laughs> they showed no, no they showed it to their uh, they showed it to their label what? and the label went no you, you that's your single so uh, yeah that's the single that kind of me yeah, there you go did you used to like that other welsh band the lost profits let's not talk about lost profits because uh, yeah i did i did used to like lost profits I'll tell you a Welsh band I could name a song off, Catatonia, and I know she was Welsh. Melder and Skelly. <laughs> a lot of underrated Welsh bands. Name another one. Stereophonics are all right. They're they not were. underrated. Stereophonics were a mega band that everybody wanted to go and watch. By the way, their early stuff was best. But yes, it was. And they're not underrated. You said a lot of underrated Welsh bands. And don't say the Manic Street Preachers either, because they were boring. <laughs> They were boring. 
design. Yeah, yeah. Crack on, Jesus. Bring me some Radiohead to cheer me up. <laughs> See, you there having a go at Radiohead. A lot of people like Radiohead, and they would say that they're a very influential indie band. However, you're right. Because Radiohead are a great alternative to Zoplicone. <laughs> I would agree with you on Radiohead. I am not a fan at all. Creep is very good. Pablo Honey yes. was a very good album. Uh, but when they went on to their, you know, was it OK Computer and stuff like that? And I, and, and I know people can see some sort of musical artistic value in it. But for me, music isn't about, oh, look at what he's doing with that instrument. It's almost sexual. Music is about messages and it's about expression and emotion and one emotion that i don't like listening to is utter misery uh, which so when when bands kind of make a living off utter misery they don't really do it for me it's like travis do you remember travis i do their remember first travis. Album, really good i enjoyed their first album and i quite liked flowers in the window which i think was off their second album they tied to the 90s and um the rather dubious under 16 girls which i think was written for gary glitter but in the end travis sang it um and uh, yeah that, that was a really good album and then then it just went a bit a bit flat yeah fact for you um i'm not going to say an interesting fact because you'll immediately come back and say no it's not uh the lead singer from Travis was uh, on Feeder's second highest or highest ever charting single. There you go. Yeah, well, that's why probably why he did well. Wasn't it? Fran Healy, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, Fran it was. Healy. It was Fran. Fran Healy yeah. was on. Uh, was uh, in did some backing vocals. Tumbling Paul. But anyway, that's Great enough to sing a song about me and a girl in Paris who wasn't sixteen. You won't get away with that anymore, would you? It's a little bit Adam Johnson, that is. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit lost profits, but. Uh, well, I think to be honest. And you could take the one out of that. Yeah, you could take the six out of that. Um, yeah, scumbag. Anyway, yeah, um, that that was a very interesting uh, moment when that all came out because uh, not listened to him since, which is a yeah. Because you don't, yeah, nobody listens to the greatest hits of Gary Glitter anymore. But no. and we've talked about this before. Two little boys is still a great song. Yeah, yeah, no. We, we I wish have. somebody do a punk version of that. That'd be quite good. No, well, when you uh, when you were chewing out uh, feeder on social media, I was uh, I was gonna say that ska punk is just rock music for people that can't handle reality, but then I was gonna say that would have made me a massive hypocrite because I am also quite a big fan of ska punk. Yeah, you see, actually, ska and punk were two very unique genres that were kind of brought together, weren't they? Because you look at like original ska. And it wasn't particularly punky, but it had that alternative edge and it, it spoke to people. And that's why I think the likes of Scar and Punk and to a degree reggae, which because, you know, punk and reggae often get fused together as well. Mm. is music born out of a particular culture, a particular time and a particular kind of anxiety and anger in many respects as well. And that's the type of music that appeals to me. I really um, I used to say I liked music that mattered. And still to a degree, I think that's the case. Stiff Little Fingers, really like Stiff Little Fingers. And you think there were a punk band that came out of Ireland at the time that was singing a lot of anti-trouble stuff. And on the other hand, it was the undertones that were, were popular and they were the punk band that was singing about new girls moving into the neighbourhood. Whereas, you know, Stiff Little Fingers were singing about bombs and no man's land. Yeah. Who got the commercial acclaim? The undertones. Who got the critical acclaim? Who's still touring now? Stiff Little Fingers. So. Yeah, no, decent band stuff with the fingers. Um, there we go. You're listening to the Punk Rock Hour on Radio 2 with Ben and Gaz. Um, no, I think that's probably a, a fair point to, to wrap up this football podcast because um, we've not really talked about football for the past 10 minutes. Um, but we will see you at Sinsel Bank on Saturday. Um, we have had a bid allegedly turned down for um, for a striker, um, and that will probably have to leave. You just say you go and have a look at the website for that. You know, push the traffic that way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've written about it on the website, stacywest.net. I forget. You say have I got anything to uh, to to promote? And I never ever promote a website. No, I, no, I just assume everybody who listens reads it. <laughs> no, well, you should. Um, you should. You should absolutely promote the website. I will also plug nextgenbase.com and youtubecom slash nextgenbase, where I put up a video this week that's quite soul-bearing, which is something that I don't normally like to do all that much. Um, but yeah, I, I was 
go and have a look at that because uh, it was quite a difficult one to do. Anyway, I'm going to disappear now because I need to go back to my uh, little holiday caravan. Um, I, I came home specifically to record this podcast, Gary. You should feel privileged. Why don't you just take your laptop away with you? Because, as I've said, the internet out there is dog shit. Out to there? Yeah. It's Tattershall. It's not yeah. the desert. <laughs> it's it's awful. Like, five it's, pounds a day, and it's like, it's worse than your internet. My internet's not bad. I've got, I, I, you know, that's, I would say, almost offensive. But I realise <laughs> I constantly berate my internet, and therefore have absolutely no moral high ground in this argument whatsoever. Okay, the internet out there is worse than you make out your internet to be at times. There you go. How's, yes. how's that? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then, guys. Well, if you see us on Saturday, come and say hello. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll say hello back, probably in a very awkward manner. Um, but we will uh, yeah, catch you <laughs> next week when we'll, uh, we'll talk about Fleetwood and Bolton and uh, look ahead to next weekend. All right. Up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNuggets share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.